Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. Thank you for being here. If you're a guest, welcome to Northridge Church. You need to know we're one church in four locations, so a big hey to our three regional campuses, Celine and Grosseal and Brighton. Great to have you with us. And you might not know this, but we stream live all around the world online, and so it's great to have all of you with us as well. But, but just before we get started in this weekend's talk, I, I have to... I have to share something. If you're a part of Northridge family, then you know this, but we have been marketing for a couple of months um, that we were going to have a very special guest speaker here this weekend, and um, I'm not him. Uh, <laughs> Bob Goff was supposed to be here. He wrote the book Love Does. He's a tremendous communicator, making a huge impact, and I heard him, man, a bunch of years ago, and I said, We've got to get Bob to Northridge. I mean, you've got to experience him here at Northridge. And it took us five years to get a weekend planned. He finally had this weekend available. It was really exciting. And he called us. Actually, his office called us. And he recently went to Uganda and contracted malaria. And so he was in ICU. He's now out and recovering. But... Um, Obviously couldn't be here this weekend, sends his apologies, and I give you mine because you're stuck with me. Um, so that's kind of the way it is. And I, I promise, and he has said, I'll work out anything I can going forward. So I guess we're on another five-year plan trying to, <laughs> to get Bob Goff here. I also want you to know that we have a, an app, a Northridge app. You can get it on a, a tablet or your smartphone, and the outline is available there. Of course, the outline will be provided here in the service as well with the video, but if you're a guest, we're just so glad to have you with us. As I was thinking about this weekend's talk on love dot dot dot, as we look to redefine and remark our lives by reliving the story of, of Christmas, which is really all about love, I... I kind of remembered my history with Christmas, and it, it's the perfect, I think, illustration for providing a lens into what the love of Christmas should do in our lives. And, and here's kind of the journey of my celebration of Christmas. When I was a kid, I was, I was one of those very, very fortunate kids born into a family where um, economically my parents did uh, moderately well. And, and they cared about us deeply. I have three other brothers. And, and so they made Christmas one of those fantasy experiences. And not every person has a home like that. Not every kid is so fortunate. But that was the kind of family I was raised in. And so we learned that at Christmas time, you know, not only did we not get our needs met, but even when we were lousy kids, which I was a lousy kid, even when we were lousy kids, we got a lot of our wants under the Christmas tree. It was crazy. It was like, so I don't even have to behave, and you're going to like reward me with this? This is awesome. So I learned to celebrate Christmas through the lens of, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And man, Christmas was by far my favorite holiday because I got more of what I wanted for Christmas than any other holiday. Birthdays were cool, but Christmas was awesome. For some reason, Jesus' birthday brought me more stuff than my own. I mean, that's kind of where it was. And so I looked at Christmas. What am I going to get? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? And I got some cool things. But then I grew up. Some still question that, but I at least got older. And I, I, I had the privilege of marrying Roxanne and becoming a husband. And I... I had the privilege of having three kids, Carissa, Blake, and Allison. And, and all of a sudden, Christmas started changing dramatically for me. I, I wasn't looking at Christmas through the lens of what am I going to get. I started looking at Christmas through the lens of what am I going to give? What am I going to give? And one of the things that helped me get there was Roxanne said, it better be good or I'm out. And that, you know, so, ooh. Ooh, gift giving, pretty important, but not really. But with the kids, it's like, what am I going to give? What are we going to give to the kids to make their Christmas special? And you know there's a big difference between the lens, what am I going to get, and the lens, what am I going to give, right? It, it's totally changed my celebration of Christmas. And there's something else that happened in this transition. I didn't understand this as a kid, you know. To me, it was all about what am I going to get, what am I going to get. I didn't think about the cost, the sacrifice, that it was coming from somewhere. But as I became a husband that cared about my wife enough to give and about our kids enough to give to them, I, 
I started realizing that no one ever gets what they want unless someone is willing to sacrifice generously of what they have to give it, to make it possible. I never realized that as a kid, but as an adult I started doing it. And then I, I had to realize why... Why would they do that? I, and I, I really didn't appreciate the unbelievable love my parents had for me as a kid. It, in fact, I would judge them based upon the quality of the gift. Did you do this? It's like, well, that Christmas didn't measure up. You know, and oh, that was a great Christmas based upon their gift giving. But I, as an adult, when I started having to sacrifice to be generous with, with our kids, I started realizing there's only one thing that motivates the willingness to sacrifice to give to other people. There's only one thing. Do you know what it is? Love. It wasn't until I became an adult and my view changed from what am I going to get to what am I going to give that I, I started realizing how profoundly my parents loved me. So much so that though I was a major disappointment, I mean, they had four boys. They could have easily chucked me out and still had three. I mean, I was a, a lousy kid. But they kept giving generously to me. That's how much they loved me. It really still shapes me today, but it also shapes my parenting today and me as a grandparent today. I want to I, I wanna express my love that way with my kids and my grandkids. You know what I'm saying? How pitiful if I was a dad that said, what am I going to get from my kids instead of, as a dad, what am I going to give to my kids? I mean, what would you think of my love if it was all about what I was going to get? You'd, you'd think I was an idiot. Well, it really comes down to this being the heart of Christmas, to be honest with you, this lesson of mine. Christmas teaches us that when we really love, we don't live for what we're going to get. When we really, really love, we, we live for what we can give. It changes everything. And by the way, in a world where everybody lives for what they can get, selfishness reigns and darkness reigns and betrayal reigns and hurt reigns and pain reigns and brokenness reigns. Sounds a lot like our world, doesn't it? But in a world where what can I give or what am I going to give reigns, it changes everything. And the few small pockets in our world, whether it's intimate family or some communities where it happens or some church families where it happens, where people live for what they're going to give, it's a whole different world. And this is the story of Christmas. It's the lesson of Christmas. It's the heart of Christmas. I want you to remember the story in John chapter 1. I'll read a couple of verses. It's, these are speaking of Jesus. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and the Word was God. And for those of you newer to the Bible, Jesus is, is called by the name Word because as a written word reveals a greater truth, reveals something. So Jesus, the living Word, reveals the greater truth, reveals God to us. So he's called the Word. And and it says, through him, through Jesus, all things were made. He's the creator of the world, of the universe. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Not you, not me, not anything. And then it says, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word, the creator, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now there's a story for you. Because of his love for us, Jesus, the creator of this world sacrificed everything in order to become a part of his creation so that he could make a way for us to overcome, no longer be held imprisoned by our failures and our guilt and our shame and our sin, but rather we could experience what none of us deserves to experience, the privilege of being in relationship with God, which is where love and joy and peace and all the adjectives that describe Christmas come from. And so here's the truth that I want us to get this weekend as we continue in the series. The, the truth is simply that true love is sacrificially generous. True love is sacrificially generous. True love does not look at others through the lens of what am I going to get. True love always looks through the lens of what am I going to give. And I just think it's so important that we understand that true love always brings about the highest form of giving, sacrificial giving. And once again, verses on Christmas show us this. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he Yeah, it gave. It doesn't say, wouldn't it be 
We wouldn't celebrate Christmas if it said, for God so loved the world, he got. Who cares? For God so loved the world, he took. That's not so great. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Look at 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. And by the way, love is not something that can be hidden. Love is something that is shown. It has to express itself. And true love is shown how he did it. He, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. True love is sacrificially generous. That's the story. Now, I don't usually do this. I usually then go into some some thoughts and some teachings about that truth and kind of drill it in and then towards the end I come up with an application where we can weave that into how we live and how it can change our lives. But I'm going to do it different this weekend. I think we have to start with the application. I really do. Because if, if we don't start with the application, if this doesn't impact how we live and the story of our lives, then, then nothing else matters. And so here's the application. If we're really going to genuinely love, if we genuinely love another person, if we genuinely love other people, if we genuinely love God, then we will be sacrificially generous. Because love is sacrificially generous. I mean, it's how it expresses itself. It's how it's designed. That's what we learn through the story of Christmas. If we genuinely love, we will move from the view of the world that says, what am I going to get, to a view of the world that says, what am I going to give? That's what happens when we genuinely love. It changes our mentality. And realize, this is true in every human relationship we have. I mean, if we genuinely love a spouse, we will not be thinking, what am I going to get from them? What am I going to get from them? What am I going to get from them? We're going to be thinking, what am I going to give? What am I going to give? And that's, that's the explanation for why most marriages break down and aren't anything close to what God designed them to be, right? Because, because we enter into marriage with this idea of what am I going to get and, and we never change. No. Know this, it's only human to enter into marriages that way. Well, I mean, when I started dating, I wasn't saying, all right, what am I going to give? I mean, when I was dating, I, I'm sorry, I was saying, what am I going to get? This is why I wanted girls that I thought were hot, not ugly, you know? And by the way, every, I am the beholder, right? But I mean, I was going, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? Every new year of college, I would look at the new crop. <laughs> what am I going to get? That's not really true. I met Roxanne my freshman year. She spoiled everything for me. But anyway, that's a whole thing. But you, you get it. Dating's about what am I going to get. And then it's like, well, how do they measure up? And how do they, what, what do they bring you know, to the table for me? And then when you get married, I mean, and I, let's be really honest here. I mean, I'm so tired of people not being honest about this. When I stood on the platform, I was, I was saying big stuff, you know. I, I do to sickness, to health. I do rich or poor. I do this. I'm thinking it better be health and it better be rich. But that's, you know, I mean, I'm saying the big words and I'm in no matter what. But the truth is, the only thing that brought me to that moment was, you know, what I was going to get as soon after the ceremony as possible, if I'm honest, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like I lived in a day where they said marriage was important to that. I still believe that, but most people don't. It's crazy, but it was like, what am I going to get? Oh, I know what I'm going to get. This is awesome. I do, I do, I do. <laughs> but I have to tell you, that, that doesn't make a marriage. I found out that it's good. It's great, actually, what you get. But it's not enough. 37 years later, Roxanne and I are married, and I'm telling you, we've started discovering more and more of what intimacy is, and though the pleasures we get in the context of marriage with and from one another, as wonderful as they are, are not what make our marriage. What makes our marriage is that she comes to the table almost every day with this mindset, what am I going to give? And I've learned over the years that 
I need to come to the table with what am I going to give. And when we both come with a what am I going to give mindset, the depth of intimacy is amazing. It's what I long for. It's what I look for. But it doesn't come by focusing on getting. It comes by focusing on giving. This is true in parenting. This is true in good night in, in the marketplace. You know, when you experience the best of the marketplace isn't when you say, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? The, the best of the marketplace is experienced when you come saying, what am I going to give? And I'm going to give everything I have to give. And that's when it starts shining brightly for you. What am I going to give? And then, this is not just true in human relationships. This is also true in our relationship with God. I mean, what am I going to, what am I going to give him? If he really loved me this way, then what am I going to give? And how am I going to give it? What am I going to give? If we genuinely love, we'll sacrifice, be sacrificially generous even with God, right? And it's usually when we experience the generosity of God in our life that we then start learning to be sacrificially generous ourselves. And it reminds me of a story that I, I heard long ago. I actually shared it decades ago here. But, but I remembered it as I was writing this talk this week. And I have to tell you, it's a story that still impacts me when I hear it. It's the story of love that shows itself, as all love should, through sacrificial generosity. It's the story of a guy named Robertson McQuilkin. Robertson McQuilkin. He was the president of Columbia International University, a Christian university with worldwide impact. He, he had dreamed of having a life of significance and impact, and he became the president of this institution, ultimately wrote 19 books, had a voice that could truly impact the world. He had risen to the pinnacle of his career, and he was riding high, and, and that's when his wife contracted Alzheimer's disease. And, um, I, mean, I mean, it just took her down very quickly. And he had a decision to make. All of his friends were telling him, or many of his friends were telling him, to put her in an institution because she was in a desperate situation and needed a great amount of help, and it, it was a legitimate uh, solution. But the problem, and, and that would give him the ability to continue pursuing his career and using his impact, everything he'd worked his whole life for. But even though that is a legitimate and even necessary solution at times for... For her, he knew, it wasn't. Because as her disease developed, the only moments of stability in her life were when he was there. Even though she didn't recognize him, even though she didn't understand it all, when, when he was present, she had stability and some peace and some joy. But when he wasn't in her presence, she was totally unstable and her life became absolutely out of control and turbulent. So what he chose to do was he chose to leave his position at Columbia, his his high-impact career in order to care for her, his very, very sick wife. And I just want to share his decision in his words. So I quote, when the time came, the decision was firm. It took no great calculation for me. It was a matter of integrity. Had I not promised 42 years before in sickness and in health till death do us part? And then he says, this was no grim duty to which I stoically resigned myself. I, it was only fair. She had, after all, cared for me for almost four decades with marvelous devotion, and now it was my turn. And such a partner she was. If I took care of her for 40 years, I would never be out of her debt. End quote. There's the story of Christmas lived out in marriage. If we genuinely love, we sacrifice generously to the one we love. And I believe it comes only to those who truly experience God's love, but it needs to then, once we experience God's love, not just be expressed to those we love in our human relationships, but to God himself. I mean, if we really have a love relationship with God, we will sacrifice for him, right? We will give ourselves to him as he gave himself to us. Unfortunately, if you think about most people's relationship with God, isn't it defined by what am I going to get? I mean, most of us come to God, what am I going to get, what am I going to get, what am I going to get? And we, we kind of get upset when we're not getting what we want. 
This isn't what I'm wanting. This isn't what I look for. What am I going to get? But that's not love at all. In fact, I want you to know this really defines the difference between true Christianity, which is about a love relationship with God, and, and what we've turned Christianity into, uh, a religious duty. Because you see, when you turn Christianity into religion, it has very little to do with loving God. In fact, on the contrary, it has to do with what we think we have to do in order to get God on our side, what we have to do in order to get his blessings, quote unquote, on our life. The, the truth is, though, our Christianity is supposed to be, and for those of you who don't yet know Christ, you just need to know the difference. Our Christianity is supposed to be a love relationship with God, which is about sacrificial generosity, his towards us and us back to him. But instead, Christianity's become more of a religion, like, like a business relationship, instead of a love arrangement. Now, track with me on this. I believe the way many of us approach God is more like bartering with him and bargaining with him instead of loving him. And here's what I mean by that. We, and see if this doesn't match with your story. If, God, if, if I do such and such and, and I don't do such and such, then, then God, will you do such and such and will you promise not to do such and such does that sound anything like your journey with God at all? Oh, God, okay, I know it snowed outside. And I know to get to church, my gosh, I'm going to have to go out and plow, plow the driveway. And, oh, it's going to be a lot of work. I have to get in my car. I have to drive all the way to church and fight the traffic. And you know in Northridge, God, oh, my gosh, there's traffic there. And... But if I do this, I'm expecting you to deliver. I mean, you better have something good for me planned, pal. <laughs> Isn't this really kind of what we got going with God? And we get down on our knees, if we get down on our knees, and we, we pray and we go, you know, I, I put in some time for you this week, God. And by the way, I put a quarter in that offering plate. You know how serious that is. <laughs> and I'm really expecting some crap from you, God. Good crap, not bad crap. What am I going to get? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? And we make trade-offs. We, we try to do as little as possible to get as much of what he'll give us as we want. But that's not a love relationship at all. If we genuinely and truly love God, which is what Jesus Christ came to make possible for us, then wouldn't we be glad to sacrifice generously for God? I mean, if we really had a love relationship with him, wouldn't we want to give to him our lives and give of all that we are to him? Of course we would. But that's not where most people are. And so what I want to do now is I just want to challenge you with Jesus' love for us and how it led to sacrificial generosity. And I, I, just, I just want you to see what a beautiful picture love can be when it's true love. And, and then I just... I just want you to do in your life what I've been doing in mine. I want you to evaluate whether you're truly loving or you're just bartering with God. Whether you're in relationship or just experiencing a religious deal with him. Is this fair? Because if we're going to celebrate Christmas and this is a love story, shouldn't we, shouldn't we at least be celebrating the real thing? So when I, when I tear apart Jesus' life and love for us, I... I realize that it all comes down to love. In fact, look at Ephesians 5.2. It, it says it. Here's the command. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look at Christ gave generously of all that he was to you. So if you're going to live right, live that kind of love. So let's learn from him. Let's Get into that story. Here's what Jesus' love did. Jesus' love motivated him and compelled him to generously sacrifice everything. So let's tear apart the everything. It, it caused him to sacrifice his titles, his, his position, so to speak. Look at John 1.10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. What's his title? What's his position? 
creator of the world. What's his title? What's his position? Lord of lords, king of kings. I mean, we know a little bit about positional authority in this world. When the president of the United States, whoever that might be, stands in front of the world, what are they standing behind? The seal of the president. Dude, that's me. Got it? Good. Right? Isn't this what? When a CEO speaks, what do they do? I speak with the authority of my title. I speak with it. When he came, people didn't even recognize him. He gave up the power of his title to walk as an impoverished human being so that he could live the life we failed to live and then die the death that we deserved to die so that we could know the God we were created to know. And why did he do it? Because love generously sacrifices. Are we willing to give up our titles? I, I had to reckon with this early on, and just know I'm not the perfect example of anything to do with following Christ, but I'm, I'm on the journey, and I try. And I, I was raised by a man, my dad, who was a very successful attorney, and... Um, and he kind of all my life had told me, Brad, I think you've got the stuff to kind of follow in my path. And so he was kind of preparing me for that. And it actually told me that he would, he'd set me up with all of his networks and all of his business to, to you know, make it in that career. And um, that was my goal. My real goal was to be really great at that so then I could become president and ruin this country. But that was a whole different thing. But... Um, <laughs> When Jesus transformed my life, he so transformed my life that I didn't want any of that anymore. I wanted one thing. I wanted to use everything he gave me to share with others that they could know hope, that they could know love, that they could know forgiveness, that they could know God, and that's, that's what I've done. I mean, but it, it came because of his sacrificial love for me, and trust me, there are a lot of areas that I haven't given over to that love and done that, but that one thing, it was a big deal. But you know, as I look at the world, I look at most people... They don't mind including God in their life, but he better not get in the way of their dreams for positions and vocational advancement and power and titles. But Jesus gave it all up for us. If we really love him, wouldn't we be willing to give it all up for him? And know this, he doesn't ask everybody to become a pastor. If he did, all of us would be pastors. Where would the, where would the audience be, right? I mean, that'd be dumb. But, but he does ask us not to love our title more than him, to be willing to use whatever he gives us vocationally for him, we should see our marketplace setting not as a way to serve ourselves and create significance for ourselves. We should see it, whatever our vocation is, as a means of serving him and, and making a difference in other people's lives. But most of us don't, right? We, we serve the bonus. We serve the, the economic benefits. We, we serve the power. We serve the position. We don't serve others. Jesus, do you see what I'm saying? If we really love people, if we really love God, then we'll sacrifice generous, generously like, like he did. There's another thing I see him giving up. He, he sacrificially and generously gave his talents because he loves us. Now, this is a unique look, but I think you'll see that it's true when I show you. In Matthew 27, Jesus is on the cross. He's been pounded to the cross. He's there dying for the wages of our sin so that he could give us the life that he earned and and there are still people mocking him look at Matthew 27 40 as he hangs on the cross dying come down from the cross if you're the son of God they're mocking him oh yeah if you're the creator of the world I think you could take a nail out of your hand and come on down if you're the creator of the world I think you'd there's no way you're stuck on a cry if you're the creator of the world we can't tie you to a tree that you made come on <laughs> and I'm going to tell you if I'm him on that cross lightning bolts through their skulls that's all there is to it <laughs> anyone else anyone else I mean that's where I'm at I'm, if I've got the talent I'm using the talent I'm making the cross float. I'm spinning it around a couple times. The nails are coming out and going in other people's skulls. I mean, that's what I'm doing because I've got the talent. I'm going to use every talent I have to benefit myself, but that's not what he did. He loved us so much that though he could have wiped them all out, he stayed there and died 
Because without him dying, there's no living for us, for the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. You see, he didn't just say he loved us. He loved us. And love always leads to sacrificial generosity. I'm sick and tired of me saying I love God, but, but it not being expressed through loving generosity. Aren't you sick of that? Do you, do you know how different the world would be? Do you know how different the church would be? Do you know how different Christianity would be viewed in this world if it was really about love? But very often we're trying to use the church to get what we want, right? To get what we want politically, to get what we want economically, to get what we want in all these areas. And it's like, no, we should be being a part of the church to say what can we give. He gave his talents. How about us? One of the things I love about Northridge, we're far from a perfect church, but one of the things I love about Northridge Church is how many people give up their talents to serve inside the church and outside the church. The problem is it's the minority. It's always the minority. As many people that use their talents to serve here, there are more that don't. And this isn't a judgment, trust me. This is just a statement of reality. But the story of Christmas, if we're going to celebrate it well, wouldn't it transform us so much with love that we can't help but generously sacrifice for others? Wouldn't that be where we were? And then let me ask you, what would the world, would be, what would the world be then? My marriage would be horrible if both of us just always asked, what am I going to get? It's only great because we both try to ask, what am I going to give? Christianity will change the world when Christians start asking, what am I going to give instead of what am I going to get? Isn't that the world you want? It's the one I want. It's the one he gave us. He, he generously sacrificed his time. His time. Look at Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now this is, I want to look at this two ways from the human point of view, from the horizontal point of view. He died when he was 33. This, this man who could have lived forever died when he was 33 for us. He didn't deserve to die. The wages of sin is death. He never sinned. He, he didn't have to die. And at 33, he died so that we could live. This is crazy, but it's even bigger than that because think about time because he, he robbed himself of 33 years at the right hand of the Father. He robbed himself of 33 years in paradise. He robbed himself of all the pleasures of paradise to come and suffer all the abuses of humanity. He gave his time to us because he loves us. And isn't it sad that we who call ourselves Christians, forget about those who aren't yet Christians, we who call ourselves Christians, we have a hard time giving them an hour a week. Well, I don't know if it's not snowing. Well, I don't know if it's not too sunny out. Well, I don't know if it's not a good boat day. I don't know if it's not a good snowmobiling day. What day are you going to give? Most people say Christmas and Easter. And since at Northridge we do, we talk about the cross and the resurrection at Christmas too, maybe just Christmas is necessary. I mean, we try to give as little as possible. Why? Because we're in a barter relationship with God. We're trying to give him as little as possible to get as much as possible. That, that's a what can I get view. No wonder we don't experience God. When we really experience God, we start saying, what can I give? Are you giving any time to him at all? Do you really love him? He gave his treasure, by the way. He gave, he gave his treasure. He owns everything. And yet look at Matthew 8, 20. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He who created the universe didn't have a place to lay his head. Why? Because he loved us and gave everything to us and for us. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He sacrificed everything for us. I learned as an adult that my parents had sacrificed financially significantly for me. They were generous to me as a kid, though I didn't deserve it. I learned it as an adult because then I had kids and I had a decision to make. Am I going to sacrifice generously for my kids? 
What am I going to give up for them? And I realize that this is what Jesus did for us. And yet, and once again, this is just the reality. The majority of people who say they love God and the majority of people who say they know the love of God, did you know the majority of them don't give financially? Forget about sacrificial and generous. <laughs> I mean, they don't even give. And I mean anything. And then out of those who do give, did you know that the vast majority never tithe, which is the minimum requirement, the 10%, God gives it all and he says keep 90, but give me 10. And the vast majority never give that. And all the while they're going, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, really? He's up there saying, no, you, you just want from me. And it's one thing not to know him. I mean, obviously, we've not experienced his love. We're not filled with his love, so we're not giving. It's another thing just to experience his love. Some of you are just brand new. You're just experiencing love for the first time. Of course, you're still saying, what can I get? What can I get? Of course. But over time, shouldn't that change? When I first got married to Roxanne, I was asking, what can I get? And she was too. But over time, if the marriage is going to really be special, shouldn't it change to what am I going to give? Yes. And this is how Christianity should be. Has yours changed? Are you really celebrating the love story of Christmas or are you just thankful for the love story of Christmas so you can get great stuff under your tree? Crazy stuff. Do you know we're sitting in a building that was built by the sacrificial generosity of people who so, so experienced God's love in their life that they gave sacrificially, financially, so that we could build a place like this with seats like this so that we could invite people in to wake them up to Jesus and show love and tell truth. And, and it's not just this place. We also have our regional campuses. It's not just the regional campuses. We've built hospitals around the world and, and HIV clinics around the world. And, and we've given water around the world to the tune of millions and millions of dollars around the world. Why? Because he loved us so much and now we love the world that he loves so much that we want to be sacrificial and generous and that includes our finances. Do you know how much can't be done because so few people really love? They don't give. And I'm just asking you, challenge yourself. I have to challenge myself all the time. I mean, do I really love him or not? Do I really love others or not? What am I doing to make a difference? It's one of the reasons we do a Christmas offering around here. We don't think it's possible to celebrate Christmas without sacrificing generously to make a difference. And every year with our Christmas offering, we do amazing things here, but we could do so much more if more people really experience the love story. There's one last thing I'll share with you. It's Jesus sacrificially and generously gave his tranquility now, when was the last time you heard the word tranquility, right? I mean, that's not like everyday talk. Um, I mean peace, you know, comfort, tranquility. And the reason I use the word tranquility is because, well, every answer I gave you so far, every characteristic of Jesus that he sacrificed, I gave you in a T word. Did you notice that? I sacrificed a lot to come up with all these T words. I want you to know. But... Uh, Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom. He gave up all the tranquility of paradise for the trouble and devastation of suffering for our sin. How, how about us? If, if necessary to honor God, to help others, are we willing to give up some of our comfort, some of our convenience, some of our tranquility? I, I'm sorry. I, Usually, we're willing to give to God up to the point where it becomes uncomfortable. We're usually willing to give up to the point where it's inconvenient. And I'm talking time, talent, treasure, all of it. Am I telling you the truth? Hey, hey, I'm willing to give to God, but if it becomes uncomfortable, whoo. He gave beyond the point of comfortable because he loves us. Do we love him that much? Now, if you're like me, when you hear all this stuff, because this, this is not a beat-em-up talk or anything. It's not like I'm beating anyone up, but, but these are truths that, that I beat myself up with. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I look at this kind of love, and I go, that's just, wow. That's just not me. I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by that. 
And I realized I can't love like that. And here's the good news of, of the Christmas story. We don't have to love like that. All we have to do is be loved by him like that. And then when he loves us that way, he so transforms us that he fills us with his love. But this is why so much of Christianity isn't based upon this kind of love because so much of Christianity is based upon religion where we're bartering with God for what we can get and that's not love at all. But when we experience his transformation in our life, when he pours his love into our life, then we start naturally loving because he's loving through us. Are you there yet? I'm telling you, I know we celebrate a holiday called Christmas, but many don't celebrate the love story of Christmas because they've never experienced that love. Have you? Is it showing? Have you gone from what am I going to get to what am I going to give? If not, this is your moment. I, I want to give you two principles that I'm trying to weave into my life in big ways so that I can become better at loving, letting God love through me. The first principle is this, keys to loving as God loves. The first one is we have to experience his love. We have to experience his love. I look at 1 John 4.19. It says it so clearly. Actually, 1 John, yeah, 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. When we experience his love first, then we can love. 1 John 4.11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. When, when it's not religion, but it's a love relationship, we start loving, but we have to experience that love first. And I get this, even in a human sense, because the only way I knew as a daddy that I needed to be asking the question, what am I going to give my kids, instead of asking what am I going to get from my kids, was because I experienced that kind of love from my daddy. My dad gave, so I learned it. I experienced love, so I was able to give it. Most of us have never truly loved. In fact, none of us have ever truly loved until we've experienced his love, have you? So before I kind of give you the last thought on this, the last principle on this and wrap up the talk, I just really want to encourage you to, to take this moment with me to reflect in fact, wherever you are, if you're here in Plymouth or one of our regional campuses or you're watching online, if you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a minute. The talk's not over. I'm going to finish it with a, with a final principle. But if you just bow with me in a word of prayer for a minute. And if you're already a believer, I hope that you'll be talking to God about whether or not you're expressing his love or not, experiencing his love or not. But if you've never experienced it, I'm going to ask you to pray with me and take my words in this prayer and just make them yours. Just say in your heart to God, quietly to God, just say, Jesus, I believe that you really do love me so much that you left heaven and came to earth, lived the life I was supposed to live, died on the cross for my failures and sin, and rose again to give me new life. And because I believe it, I'm confessing my sin to you right now, turning to you to save me, asking you to forgive me and make me new by faith in your name. Amen. Now, before I give you this last principle and a couple of thoughts, um, if you just prayed with me, let me know, would you? I, we really want you to take next steps in your relationship with God, and we want to share with you how. So we've put together some information, and if you're in one of our services, then all you have to do is take the program out, rip the connection card, fill it out, and there are a couple of thoughts at the bottom you can acknowledge, and, and then just throw it in the boxes. There are boxes at every single exit at all of our campuses, and we'll do the rest. No, you have no obligation to us, but we'll send you this information to help you grow, and if you're watching online, hit the What Next button, and we'll do the same for you. Now, I'm going to give you this last principle and just a couple of thoughts as we end, and I want you to know, and this is... This is really exciting. Some of you might be noticing, you might be going, oh my gosh, it's like, I think he's going over. <laughs> I think he's going over. And <clears throat> this is done intentionally because you see, I love you so much that I'm sacrificing generously by giving you more time than I'm paid for. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like I'm paid by the minute. <clears throat> All right, but anyway, you get the idea. So 
Here's the second thing. If we're really going to love as he loves, then not only do we have to experience his love, but we have to be filled with his love. Filled with his love. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. See, boy, when he pours his spirit into us, I mean, that's his love. And, and then we're filled up with it. Look at Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, when you're really filled with the, the Spirit of God and His love, look what comes out of you. The fruit of the Spirit is, what's that word? Love. Now, remember the point of this whole talk. The difference between living life with a lens of what am I going to get and living life with the lens of what I'm going to give. The reason we live life through the lens of what am I going to get is because we're so empty on the inside, we're so needy on the inside that we have to get as much out of life and out of others and out of God as we can get because we're scraping by, right? But when we're filled with his spirit of love, we're no longer empty on the inside and needy on the inside. We're now overflowing and we no longer have to say, what am I going to get? We now can say, what am I going to give? The question is, are you filled with his love or not? As we move into our week, this next week, I want to challenge you to pay attention to your view because in everything, you're either living what I want to get or what I want to give in everything. If you're married or in relationship with someone, ask yourself, am I living for this person to give me stuff or am I living to give this person stuff? What's my view? If you're a parent, look at it. If you're an employer or an employee, look at it. And as a believer, look at it. What are you focused on? What am I going to get or what am I going to give? And can I just say this? If there was ever a time that our world needed a picture of love and sacrificial generosity, it's now. We're in a world of hate, we're in a world where everybody's saying, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? It's killing our, our politics. It's killing our, our marketplace settings. It's killing our churches. It's killing our homes. But if we really experience his love and express it, our giving will change our world like his giving has changed us. And remember, our mission is to wake the world up to Jesus. And how do we do it? By showing them his love. Let's wake the world up this Christmas because when we show his love, we're celebrating his love story. And that's the best way to celebrate his birthday. And I pray we'll do it. Now just before you head out, I just want to share two things. The first is that um, we're, we don't have services next Sunday. We don't have services next Sunday because we're, next Sunday's Christmas Day and we just really believe that would be a great family day for you to be with the people you love and, and all of that, and so we're not doing it. But, but we're making up for it on Christmas Eve, the day before, Saturday. We're doing five Christmas Eve services here in Plymouth. We're doing a couple at our regional campuses as well, but five here. And I just really want to encourage, it's going to be a great service. Our team has worked hard on it, God's given me a talk, and I just really want to encourage you, invite friends, invite family, make Christmas Eve a part of it. And you, look, there's no, you say, I don't have time. We have five services. The first one's at 2.16, the second one's at 4.16, the third one's at 6.16, the fourth one's at 8.16, and you're probably thinking the fifth one's at 10.16. You'd be wrong. Because the fifth one's at 11.16 because we want the fifth one to go into Christmas Day. It's going to be our Christmas Eve to Christmas morning celebration. And I'd love for you to invite your friends and family and be here. It's going to be awesome. But then... What are we doing on Christmas Sunday? You're going to be with your family. You're going to be opening presents. That's great. But we decided we wanted to give you a gift on Christmas Sunday. And so what we're going to do, you might know, we did the Glory of Christmas recently, and we did an HD DVD, Blu-ray DVD of the Glory of Christmas. We are going to stream the Glory of Christmas onto our website all Christmas Day. All Christmas Day. Starting, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I, all you have to do is go to northridgechurch.com, hit the live stream, it's going to be streaming to you. And here's the cool thing, seriously, and I'm talking, as soon as our last service on Christmas Eve is done here at 12, 16, 
a.m. on Christmas morning. We're going to start. Have you ever seen the Christmas story on TBS? They do it all day long. Doesn't matter when you turn the TV on. It's the Christmas story. Don't watch that this year. Watch the glory of Christmas. We're streaming it all day long. Invite friends over. Invite family. Tell your friends. There were people who couldn't get here for the glory of Christmas. It was sold out. Tell them about it. Let's get a million people watching the glory of Christmas. I mean, let's just really share it on Christmas Day around so people can know Jesus. Fair enough? All right. See you at Christmas Eve. Thanks for coming. See you next time. <laughs>